Um, what a pleasure it is to be able to um, yeah, bring this message today. Um, as I was preparing for, um, for the sermon this week, I, um, I really felt that um, when you look at gifts and, uh, and think about the, the gifts, and I guess that's why we, we listened to the story of the Magi this morning, and, and as I was sitting there, I was thinking, you know, gifts come in so many different, different shapes and sizes, and so many gifts are appreciated, and, and quite a few aren't. It sort of got me thinking, well, what makes a good gift? And um, so I sort of went to, to, to my experience and, and the gifts that I've given Sharon and, and I looked at John and Sue and the gifts that John's given Sue. And you look at some of the bad gifts over time and you think, well, why, why were they bad? I think one, one of my worst to Sharon was the cordless drill that I bought her. That didn't quite go down so well. And, uh, and John's given Sue some corkers over the time, a, a broom and a rubbish bin. <laughs> I think Sue even gave John some lino for, <laughs> for the bathroom. <laughs> so is it the, the thoughtlessness that makes it a bad gift or the, the selfish nature of the gift? But I guess the flip side to that is, is the good gifts. And so I asked Sharon, well, what's some of the best gifts I've given you? And, uh, and the response was an engagement ring. That one still rates pretty highly. Um, clean windows one year for Mother's Day. She said that was one of the best. Um, John has come good too, by the way, um, with, a, with a sewing cabinet one year, I remember, and a digital camera, an eternity ring even. So don't, don't think John's. <laughs> and, and some of the best that I've received is a, a water ski as well. But, but what makes them good gifts? Um, it's, it's, it's really the significance, the meaning, maybe even the sacrifice that's required to produce that gift. Does it cost a lot of time, a lot of money? Have you put a lot of thought into that gift? And I think that's what makes you appreciate it. And at Christmas time, we receive the ultimate gift from God. It's not a good gift or a great gift, it's a priceless gift. At Christmas time, God the Father made it possible for us to know him by sending the gift to us of his son Jesus to walk among us. And I guess the full extent of this gift we don't realise until Easter time. But today at Christmas, we celebrate God is with us. And so this morning, I want us to look at this Christmas story and think of the couple of groups of people that are, that are talked about in, in the Bible reading I guess the people that, that interacted with Jesus directly or with his parents directly around the time of his birth. So the group, the three groups that I want to look at are um, not that they were in this reading this morning, but the shepherds um, being the lowest in society. Um, you find them in Matthew's gospel. And then there's the wise men or the magi um, that we just heard about. But the other group of people that I want to look at is the king, King Herod, and, and the religious people that he... he called together, the people that had quite a lot to lose by hearing about this saviour. And they all respond differently to this gift of God. And I guess today I want us to think about how we respond to this gift that God's given us. And I guess I want you guys to reflect on which group you identify with. So King Herod and, and the chief priests, the teachers of the law, um, I, I guess I've termed them the important people in society or the ones that thought that they were important, and the ones that probably had the most to lose. So in the reading, when King Herod 
heard the news, he went and gathered all the other important people together to check if it was actually right. Was this the prophecy that a Messiah was to be born? But after that, he, he actually did nothing. He sort of sent a few other people on their way. He told the Magi to go and make a careful search. But after that, we, we actually find out he did, did very little. And he said to the Magi, you know, come back after you find him so that I can go and pay worship. But we later find out that his intentions were a little bit different, that he actually saw this guy as a threat and, and wanted to get rid of him. So he was at the top and he sort of thought that he didn't really need anything else in life. The most interesting group for me after preparing this message was actually the chief priests and the teachers of the law. I guess they would have known about this prophecy of the Messiah coming. And when King Herod called them in, you know, they were even able to explain it all and, and where it was going to be and, and at what time. But we don't actually know what their response was. Um, in the reading, it's actually quite silent on, on these teachers. And, and so I guess I'm assuming that they probably didn't do anything. These guys knew that their Christ would be born, but they were silent. They were actionless. This gift from God was going to fulfill their faith. It was, it was the pinnacle of, of everything that they'd believed. And they did nothing. They would have met God, Son, themselves, and they chose not to go. The wise men, they were from the east. So they were from a completely different country. They weren't Jewish people at all. But due to their observations of the stars, of the heavens, we are sort of led to believe that they are fairly educated people, probably quite rich. And we don't actually even know how many there were we only know that there were three gifts and we assume that they sort of bought an honorage with them but we don't even know that. But what we do know is that these three men knew of the prophecy of the King of the Jews being born and when they observed the events in the heavens they were able to leave everything behind and venture to another country to worship and to bring gifts. This wasn't even their king or the saviour of their people. Yet they travelled and searched in a foreign country looking for this saviour. And when they found him, it was most likely sometime after he was born as they visited him in a house and not in the stable. But when they found him, they bowed down and they worshipped him. They recognised his sovereignty and did what they knew to do. When they'd finished paying their respects, they presented their gifts, which had travelled for many miles, and it was gifts of gold, of perfume, and of anointing oils, which were quite typical gifts at that time for kings and deity. They respected Jesus as a king. And then the shepherds from Matthew's Gospel, the poor and the uneducated. These guys were some of the lowest in society, working and being committed to their lives, they were there to do a job. And when they heard the news, they were out in the field with their flocks. They were, they were in the middle of their life. Smelly, tired, ready to pack it in for the night. And their response, I'm sure you can remember the stories, were, were quite amazing. So they get visited by this angel, told them the good news. 
they, uh, they had a carols by angel light experience. And after they sort of got over the, uh, the events, they dropped everything. They left the sheep in the fields, or maybe they took them with them, I'm not sure. And they ventured on this crazy journey looking through stables for this Messiah that had been born that night. And when they found them, their actions were just amazement and worship of all the superhuman activities that had taken place that night. Them finding Jesus meant that what the angels and their experience in the fields was right. And their response was interesting. They, they worshipped Jesus. And then they started spreading the news that the Saviour had been born and God had given the world the ultimate gift of Jesus. For me, these last few weeks have been quite hectic um, in my personal life, I guess. Not just because it's been leading to Christmas and it's the busy, the crazy season. And not just because at work, being summertime and peak irrigation season, it's busy. And not just because everyone at Christmas time wants a break. But these last few weeks have been big. Um, we've had the opportunity to remember the life of Gordon Phelps of Parr. We had the opportunity to remember his life, not that it was lived perfectly, but it was lived with the knowledge of who Jesus was. That this shaped his life by the witness, and we can tell this by the witness of how he lived his life. And we have the hope that one day we'll get to meet Par again in heaven. There were funerals, there was memorials, times of reflection, where we personally got to assess where we were at and how us and how we live our lives and its effect on those around us. I got to start to realise that one day, too, we'll be leaving this place behind. And I got to ask myself the question, will I have an enduring legacy of faith or just a trail of earthly living? Furthering to this, sorry, furthering to this, I have the news that one of the most important people in my working life isn't going to be around for a while either. This is a person that I've relied on for so much wisdom that he gained through 35 years of, of experience. He's now no longer at my disposal. So he's been diagnosed with leukaemia. He is someone that I've been able to challenge in his faith and the purpose of life. He's had a lot of adversities in his life, but still seems reluctant to come to know Christ. And I'm watching and observing him now ask these questions. As he's coming as close as you possibly could to ending to the end of life. We're told that without treatment he only had weeks to live. All I want to do is reach out and tell him that this is only a dress rehearsal of what's to come that he needs to believe in Jesus and know that his Heavenly Father only wants good for him and not pain. One day I may, but for now, all I can do is just keep loving him, supporting him and his family and praying with him that God will reveal himself to him. It's quite a contrast to Gordon's death. And I'm praying one day Banjo will get the opportunity to meet Jesus and know him as his saviour. 
and put some perspective on what he is facing in life. The contrast between the two that happened within 24 hours is amazing. And the difference comes down to what they did with the gift at Christmas. What they did with the gift that their Heavenly Father gave them and presented them on Christmas Day. When life's stripped away, what are we left with? We have a Heavenly Father that loves us so much that he did everything he can to make sure we enter eternity with him. He gave us the ultimate gift and sent his son Jesus at Christmas to walk among us and be our saviour. What is our response this Christmas? Are we going to be like the important people in society that doesn't really have time for a saviour? Are we going to be like the rich and educated magi that after hearing the news and seeing the heavenly signs, we journey away from our lives and bring the appropriate gifts and worship? Are we going to be like the shepherds, the uneducated, the lowest in society? And after hearing the news of our Saviour being born, we drop everything and come as our smelly selves to give time to worship him and let it transform our lives and start telling everyone the good news. This Christmas, let's celebrate the news that our Saviour has been born. Let's bring our gifts of worship and put our lives aside to follow him. Amen.